Open your Bible to Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 is where we're headed. And I titled this morning, Who Gets to Enter Heaven? Oh my goodness, who gets to enter heaven? Suspicion already all over everybody's faces. How's this going to work? It's going to be good. Now, today's text from Matthew chapter 7, 21 is where we're starting. It is closely related to the previous verses in chapter 7. God did that. He creates a whole line of thought. And so we kind of need to keep these verses in the line of thought. So I'm going to kind of review a little bit. Just I don't want to get too caught up in what we've already taught. So in chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, they spoke about the narrow way and the wide way. And few find the narrow way that leads to heaven. Brennan actually preached that while I was on vacation. Verses 15 through 20 are about not being fooled, not being deceived by false prophets who sound good, but have bad fruit or bad character in their lives. Those are not people you want to follow. Today in verses 21 through 23, there are those who sound good, They appear spiritual, but are not going to make it into the kingdom of heaven. Did you catch all that? They're going to sound good. They're going to appear spiritual. But in our text today, those people who look and sound wonderful are not going to make it into the kingdom of heaven. I was having a conversation between... You guys always get my conversation between services. Uh, So I had a conversation where somebody said, this morning's message takes the last little bit of confidence that you think you, self-confidence that you think you have. Just when you think, I'm wise enough to know better, Jesus says, don't be deceived. Watch out for those people who look great because you'll be deceived. So I'm not trying to take, well, I am. We're we're trying to get rid of all of your self-confidence so that the only confidence we have, the only confidence we have is in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've been around church, that was free, by the way. That wasn't part of my notes. I went short first service, so you know why? Why I'm dawdling? I feel like I have lots of time, which means we're going to go too long. 115 is the plan. I think it's funny because I feel like we always shoot for 12:15, and people still ask me, "What time does service is service supposed to get over?" I don't know. Whenever we finish the text. But we're headed for Colossians 3 by way of Matthew 7, and oh my goodness, it's good. All right, I'm starting over. If you've ever been around church or been around church very much, around Christianity for very long, you've encountered that person who sounds as though they are the model Christian. They seem to have a lot of biblical knowledge and experience, and they're excited about serving God. They go to church on Wednesday nights. They dress right. They talk right. They act right. Even their kids act right. Wow. In this text that we're about to look at, Jesus offers you and I another warning, another caution about people who sound very spiritual but may not actually have a relationship with God at all. So I'm going to do this a little different than I usually do. I want to take some time to unpack the text, and then I'm going to come back and make a couple, three points to be specific. Um, 
It's a little different format than I usually use for preaching. Um, this text is pretty simple in and of itself, but it has some very significant consequences, and so that's what I want to point out. If you're looking at your bulletin, uh, you notice I did not write in the points. Uh, I did that for a couple of reasons. One of the reasons is I know that you get very anxious. Some of you get very anxious when there's blanks. And I just think that's fun to do to you. So Matthew chapter 7, I'll give you the, the information later. I can tell by those who are laughing who's nervous. Please give us the blanks now. No, I'm going to give it to you here in a minute. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. You ought to open your Bibles. Even if you're not, I'm going to teach from the New Living Translation uh, because it's excellent. Uh, but if you have another translation, by all means, look at them and kind of compare them because um, I think this is a very, very significant text. Okay, so Matthew chapter 7, 21. Here we go. Follow, follow along just very closely. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord. Are you picturing this in your head? Jesus is doing the Sermon on the Mount. He's preaching the Sermon on the Mount. He's on the side of the hill to see the Galilee in the background. There's an audience of Jews and Romans, and they're all there together, and they're listening to this man who's garnering all this attention in the region, and he's teaching things that are a little bit crazy uh, to everybody's religion. And he says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus has been teaching about the kingdom of heaven is, is near, is coming, is close. And later on, he's going to say, the kingdom of heaven is standing right in front of you, talking about himself. And so the Jews especially are going to be, how do we become part of the kingdom of heaven? And then Jesus tells them, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. That ought to make us all go, What? Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Going to leave it alone. Going to keep going. On judgment day, here's a picture. Picture this in your brain. On judgment day, many, that should scare the bejeebies out of you. I don't know what bejeebies are, but you get the point. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. Verse 23, but I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Now, if we were doing soap, if this was the reading plan for their soap today, if you're not sure what soap is, ask the person sitting next to you after service, okay? If we were doing soap, the observation, several observations about this text because there's several verses, the observations that I would make would be, first, not everyone who claims to be a follower of Christ or who even talks like a Christian is actually a fully devoted follower of Christ who will enter the kingdom of heaven. Got that? Not everybody who calls himself a Christian is actually going to make it into heaven. First observation. Next observation is... Even people who 
actively call on Jesus, Lord, Lord. I mean, that seems significant. They call on Jesus. Even people who actively call on Jesus, Lord, Lord, who prophesy and cast out demons and perform miracles, not out in crazy land, but in the name of Jesus. These are people involved in in fruit-producing ministry are not necessarily saved and going to make it to heaven. You should be feeling a little nervous right now. I got you right where I want you. These standards that I just read, calling out to the Lord, prophesying in the name of Jesus, casting out demons, performing miracles, all in the name of Jesus, these seem to be legitimate standards for evaluating a person's relationship with God. I mean, if someone is doing all this in the name of Jesus, you're like, wow, God is in them and with them and working through them, and they are just wow, right? Yet the text is clear, they will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus, in fact, will tell them that he has never known them, and to get away from him, And that they are characterized by breaking God's law. The English Standard Version says, I kind of like it. It says, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. These people who call out Lord, Lord, and are involved in ministry, the ministry of the church, these people will not enter heaven Another observation is, Jesus clearly declares, and I'm going to read this because if I don't read it, somebody's going to say, well, Brent reworded it, and he's kind of manipulating it to make a point, and I'm not. I'm just just going to read the text, okay? It's the last second part of, of of verse 21. Here's the observation. Jesus clearly declares. We can't look at this text and go, well, it's just confusing. I don't understand it. No, it's very clear. Is anybody, (laughs) y'all are looking around like, who talks like that? (laughs) I don't understand it. It's just too difficult. Only, only those who actually do, not good intentions, only those who actually do the will of the Father in heaven will enter. It's not those who cry, Lord, Lord. It's not those who prophesy, perform miracles, cast out demons. Only, everybody say only. Because you got to realize how exclusive this word is. I'm going to come back to it later. But only those who actually do the will of the Father will enter the kingdom of heaven. And some of you are thinking, hmm. Is he going to preach legalism this morning? Because I'm about to walk out. (laughs) Just stay with me for a second. Okay? Makes you a little squirmy. Jesus has warned us several times throughout the Sermon on the Mount. Don't be deceived. Don't deceive yourself. And don't be deceived by others. And he gives us standards so that we can honestly evaluate a person's life 
so that we're not deceived by what they're teaching and preaching. So, Jesus says, don't be deceived. I implore you. That's a good King James word. I like it. I implore you to listen carefully and completely to the end of service this morning because there's going to be lots of times where your mind's going to go, want to go a different direction. And if you stop listening to me, you're going to think that I am preaching legalism and I'm not preaching legalism at all. But I need you to listen, listen, listen. These three verses make three clear and definitive declarations. Here's where your bulletin notes come in. I left them blank so that you can write them in. That way it forces you to engage and not just be like, yeah, Brent's got a note there somewhere. I don't remember where I put it. Um, I can't handle that. Okay, now we're back. So you can write. Take out a writing utensil. You get to write during service or draw. I need you to write these points down. I'm going to put them on the screen here in a minute. Uh, So if you don't have something to write with and you're single, this is an opportunity. (laughs) Hey, sweetheart, can I borrow your pen? Just for a little bit. I'll give it back to you after we have lunch this afternoon. Oh, that's good, huh? Some of you wonder how I won Diane over. It's because I'm so smooth. (laughs) All right, here we go. Number one. Number one, I want you to write this down. I don't care if you disagree with it or hate me for it. Not all church people go to heaven. Not all people church, not all church people go to heaven. Sorry, I'm thinking while I'm trying to talk at the same time. Uh, may come as a bit of a surprise to you. If you were raised in church where we sang hymns, you may remember the hymn, When We All Get to Heaven. I don't think we're all going to heaven. <laughs> Just saying, because I know some of these people. (laughs) I mean, I'm not going to make a list of names and put it on the screen or anything. Uh, I just don't think we're all going to heaven, all right? Number two, now that I have won your affection, (laughs) number two, only those who do, only those who do the will of God enter heaven. I'm giving you some time to write it down. Only those. But I don't understand how that fits into our doctrine of salvation by grace. Because our doctrine of salvation by grace is more important than just reading scripture and seeing what it says. In one statement, I have offended everyone. It's good. Only those who do the will of God are going to enter heaven. Number three, on judgment day, Jesus, I put in my notes in all capital letters, will reject those who thought they were saved. On judgment day, Jesus will reject people who thought they were saved. Yes, I said Jesus will reject people. Brent, I just thought that if we came to Jesus, anybody who comes to Jesus, he's just going to be open arms and it's all wonderful butterflies and everybody's good and we're all happy and that's not the way I thought it was. Okay, so this is why I'm going to put the scripture back up on the screen and the scripture's going to stay. So we're doing a Bible study. So instead of you doing theology from what you think you want, let's do theology from scripture just for fun. I like y'all. I don't know if we should amen or run. Is he right or is he way wrong? Seems like it's not fitting. 
All right, scripture's up. Here we go. Now, uh, I'm going to go back through my points now. You have them written down. So if you don't have them, now you got to be like, hey, sweetheart, what was point number one? Okay. Not all church people go to heaven. The idea that not everyone who calls out to Jesus will enter heaven may be a little bit difficult to fit into our modern view of Christianity. In fact, the idea that Christianity would be ex exclusive, exclude some people, in any way is offensive. What do you mean Christianity excludes some people? Why would Jesus exclude from heaven people who call out to him, Lord, Lord? We look at people who passionately proclaim God's word, prophesy, or cast out demons or perform miracles all in the name of Jesus. These are people doing ministry in the name of Jesus. Our immediate assumption when we see them is, wow, these people have to be really close to God. They must have this really great relationship with God for God to work through them. So how is it that God would exclude these people? And if he does, how in the world will I make it in? And I've never done a miracle. If someone tells us that they go to church or they pray and they read their Bible, pretty much we determine in our own minds that, well, they must be a follower of Christ then. I mean, they don't swear and they... They wear those Christian t-shirts all the time and they have a cross necklace. So they must be a Christian. <laughs> you see people covering up their jewelry right now. They're... I don't care if you wear a cross necklace. They must be a Christian. They look like what I think a Christian should look like. You, you may recall back in Acts chapter 18, there was a young woman, she's possessed by an evil spirit. Uh, I, I make a point to say she's possessed by an evil spirit. Uh, she's following Paul and Silas around and she's shouting out as they're trying to present the gospel to people. She is shouting out, these men are servants of the most high God and have come to tell you how to be saved. And we would listen to that and say, well, there's nothing wrong with that. Later on in the story, Paul rebukes her because she's being a distraction. My point is, just because someone talks big about God or Jesus, even speaking the truth, or they even perform miracles, that does not make them a believer, let alone be a person worthy of you following and listening to in a spiritual sense. Does that make sense? We have this thing in the back of our minds that if somebody, we, we have these artificial standards created where if they look right, smell like, talk right, smell like, what? If they've got it all together like we think church people should be, then we assume that they have a relationship with God. And Jesus is telling us unequivocally, you are wrong. You are wrong. Mayday, mayday. Here's a warning. From Matthew chapter 5, when Jesus begins the Sermon on the Mount, he has been describing to us those who are blessed. 
Those who are salt and light. Those who will enter the kingdom of heaven. See, we should have been paying attention from chapter five because God has been telling us who these people are, explaining the character of who those who will enter the kingdom of heaven, what their character looks like. Jesus describes people who do not get angry with others. (laughs) Well, I thought that was going to be more fun than it really is. Because immediately we recognize that the standard that Jesus has been setting since Matthew chapter 5 when we begin the Sermon on the Mount is that this is an impossible standard. Jesus describes people who do not get angry with other people. Jesus describes a man who does not even look at a woman with a lustful heart. He talks about... I'm going to get it together. He talks about people who, instead of making grand vows about what they will do, they just do what needs to be done. They're get-or-done type folks. Jesus tells about people who, instead of seeking revenge and an eye for an eye, they love their enemies and they pray for them. When Jesus gives that instruction, he goes on and he says, I'm reading the text. It says, in that way, when you, when you don't seek revenge, an eye for an eye, when you love your enemies and you pray for them, in that way, you will be acting as true children of your heavenly Father. You see, Jesus has been describing the character of those who will enter the kingdom of heaven. And not one time does he say that churchgoers go to heaven. He doesn't say that. Preachers and Sunday school teachers, not guaranteed to go to heaven. But they sing on the praise team. Surely they're saved. Brent preaches every week. Surely he's saved. Not even those who are all excited about Jesus and seem to have a passion for telling everyone about Jesus are guaranteed to enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus explicitly, did I get you all messed up? I hope so. I'm going on to point two. Jesus explicitly tells us who will enter the kingdom of heaven. You already wrote it down. The second part of verse 21. Only those who actually actually do the will of God will enter heaven. So I want you to listen very carefully. Again, I need your attention. I don't want your brain wondering. So if your brain's wondering, I'm going to give you a second. Bring your brain back. I know, sometimes I say things and you get all wound up and you're thinking, and then I'm talking and you're like, I didn't hear what Brent said. Worse, you hear part of what I said and you're like, Brent is a total heathen. So I want you to listen carefully. The affirmation that Jesus is Lord is meaningless. Remember we just read in the text, people who cry out, Lord, Lord. The affirmation that Jesus is the Lord is meaningless if it is not followed by obedience to God's will. I need you to process that. Some of you are thinking, but Brent, these people in this text are well-meaning people. 
They're trying really hard to behave like Christians. They're crying out, Lord, Lord. They're ministering in the name of Jesus. No matter what a person claims to be, if they are not actually doing the will of the Father, they are not entering into heaven. They are not saved. I like the tension in the room. Just savor it for a second. When Jesus spoke these words in his original audience to the Jews and some Romans, I think the pushback was probably something along the lines of for the Jews, they would be saying, we have these people who are crying out, Lord, Lord, and they've done all these things, but I'm a Jew. I was born as a chosen person, a chosen child of God the Father. So I don't really have to do the will of God because I was born into this. I've been in church all of my life. I've gone to church every Sunday. I know the words to the hymns, and I even know the words to the songs when they don't get them up on the screen. (laughs) This is a joke. Sorry, I'm messing with Josh back there. I'm a Jew. I was born chosen by God, so I'm automatically included into the kingdom of God. But you also have in that group, in that audience, you have those who are born Roman. And they're like, I was born Roman. I mean, we're pagan as we can possibly be. There is no way possible I can ever do enough of God's will to ever earn entering into the kingdom of heaven. And the Roman would be the closest to good theology there. Do you follow? The Jew says, I'm born into it, so I'm okay. The Roman says, I can't do it, so there's no way. Our modern thinking is, I'm a, I'm a good person. I'm a pretty good person. Um, or we, we put it on the other people and we say, they are a pretty good person. Someone passes away and we're like, oh, they're, they're a good person. They're going to make it to heaven. You okay? We say things like, I go to church, I pray if I need something or if there's a tragedy. (laughs) I'm not mean, right? Mean people don't go to heaven, obviously. I'm not mean and that person's not mean, so we're okay. My friend, they they call themselves a Christian and I I don't think that they know much about Jesus, but they call themselves a Christian and I led them in the sinner's prayer, so I know that they're saved. They must be saved. Just like the Jews and the Romans, we have a tendency to fabricate our own standards for salvation that have nothing to do with the standard that Jesus has clearly set. Jesus set the standard. We don't have to come up with our own standard. We should not come up with our own standard. The standard that he set, in the event you don't remember, only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Only those who do the will of the Father are going to enter heaven. You see, listen, grace does more than forgive you of the penalty of your sin. Grace does more than forgive you of the penalty of your sin. You see, God's grace transforms you. Ah, 
Now the light bulb begins to blink. Blink, blink, blink. Okay, well, I was wrong. Maybe it doesn't. God's grace doesn't just forgive you of your sins. It transforms you. What Jesus has previously described in the Sermon on the Mount is a life that is transcendent even over the Old Testament law. It's the salt and light. It's the second mile. It's loving your enemies. It's doing God's will is beyond my natural abilities. Doing God's will is supernatural. You okay? I'm not sure about this yet. You guys are being tougher than the first crowd. They were like, yeah, amen, Brent, I think. <laughs> you can't fake kindness to people who treat you bad. It's either in you or it's not. If the Holy Spirit is in you and you want to love them because of God's grace inside of you. You will love them even when they do, do you wrong. You'll pray for your enemies because you want them to come to know Jesus. If it's not in you, then you say things like, it's okay. Right? Grit your teeth at them. I don't, some of you didn't get that. Actually doing the will of the Father in heaven is the indication that your heart, your soul, your attitude have been transformed. Formed. One of my favorite verses, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul says, therefore, if anyone is, what's the next word? In. in. It's that pickled word that I like to talk about. If anyone is in, pickled in Christ, he is a new creature. Oh, and the old has passed away. The old, the old sinful things, the old way of life. That's that being delivered from Egypt, slavery in Egypt. And new things have come. We've been born of the Spirit. And now we think differently, act differently, desire differently. Because we've been transformed by God's grace. Now, I began to endeavor to make a list of things to describe what the transformed life looks like. And then I came across Colossians chapter 3, which describes this life of actually doing the will of God because we have been raised to a new life in Christ. And so I'm going to read a lengthy passage instead of just giving you my commentary. You're welcome. I'm going to read from Colossians chapter 3. Um, in the event of a rapture, just leave the doors unlocked. It's no big deal. Colossians 3.1. Here we go. If you have your Bibles, you ought to look at it. I'm not going to put it on the screen, partly because I want you to listen and absorb. I'm reading from a New Living Translation. He says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ. Okay? Kind of getting the setting in this first sentence. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Are you picturing this? Because we've been raised to life with Christ. We're going to set our sights on things of heaven. Now, verse 2. Think about the things of heaven. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of this earth. For you have died to this life, and your, I love this, your real life is hidden with Christ in 
God. Oh, just try that again because y'all didn't get it. For you died to this life, and now your real life, the one that really counts, is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So, verse 5, put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. Hello? You used to do these things when your life was part of this world. And then verse 8, but now, contrast present tense, okay? But now things are different. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Watch this. Verse 10, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him by coming to Wednesday night classes. Amen. Yeah. Verse 11, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized. That included a whole bunch of us right there. Slave or free. Here it is. Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. Man, that's good. Now, we could stop there. But why? Verse 12. Since God, oh, oh, this is really good. Since God, get your brain around this, chose you to be his holy people he loves. Man, that's a mouthful. I just want to stop and preach right there. Since because God has chosen your sorry keister to be his sacred people. That's a good translation. I'm going to include that when I write mine. Not just his sacred people, but the sacred people that he loves. Try again. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, I got to hurry up. You must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I hope that right here you're not thinking of excuses for why you would not clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercies, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Verse 13. I love this. Make allowance for each other's faults. Wow. 
and forgive anyone who offends you. Try that again. And forgive who? Anyone but Brent. No, forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Verse 14. Above all, clothe yourself with love that binds us all together in perfect harmony. That sounds good. Perfect harmony. It was a music joke. Forget it. Thomas told me to tell it. <clears throat> he didn't. That was my own preacher joke. Verse 15. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your heart. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Should we stop there? Oh, well, I don't care. I'm in charge and I got the microphone, so I'm going to keep going. Verse 16, let the, because it's still good. I'm going to stop before we get to Revelation, I promise. Let the message about Christ, okay? The message about Christ, all that Christ has done for us. It's what we celebrated with communion. It'd be the, the short version, the, the little version. Let the message about Christ in all its richness. I mean, you do believe that the message of Jesus Christ is rich, right? It's not like, yeah, we did communion today. It represents the body and the blood of Jesus. It's a big yeehaw, but we had it. It was good. Let's go to lunch. No, 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 no. All of the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, all of its rich, richness, fill your lives. What are you full of? The richness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we can forgive those that offend us. Stick to reading it, Brent. I lost my place. Let the message about Christ and all of its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. A long time ago in children, I'm going to stop right there. Um, a long time ago, whenever I was in children's church, we used to sing a song, and it goes something like this. You're, you're going to recognize it. It says, if you're saved and you know it, then your life will... That's good theology. That's good, very good theology. Anyone can read the Bible and repeat it. Only those who have been transformed by God, who have a new heart, new creation, will live a life doing, actually doing God's will because it requires that transforming grace in our lives to do it. We are not doing God's will to be saved, but we're doing God's will because God has saved us and because God has transformed us. Are we all back together again? We okay? We can be friends again? Number three, I'm gonna offend you. Jesus will reject people who thought they were saved. I'm gonna hurry because uh, 
I got too many pages and not enough minutes. Jesus will reject people who thought they were saved. Verses 22 and 23 tell us explicitly that on judgment day, imagine this, judgment day, Jesus will reject people who thought they were saved and possibly people that we also thought were saved. We look around and we're like, hey man, these people definitely are saved. And then Jesus says, no, I never knew you. In a world, in a culture of participation trophies, this causes some anxiety, this verse. I need you to hear me, hear me good. No, I tell you what, I need you to read the scriptures and believe them when they say that some will say to Jesus, I mean, this is what the text says, Lord, Lord, they're gonna say to Jesus, Lord, Lord, we did whatever ministries in your name. And then the text tells us that Jesus will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. Well, Jesus would never do that. It's not what the Bible says. I'm just saying. We should do theology from Scripture, not from what makes you feel good. So, listen to me carefully. With all the love in my heart, hear me, hear me, hear me. There is only one way to be saved. There is only one way to be accepted into the kingdom of heaven, and that is through faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Nice does not make you or others saved. You okay? I mean, I'm fixing to make an application here in a minute, and that's, I mean, right now you're like, okay, yeah, I think that that's okay. Nice does not make you or others saved. Good intentions do not make you or others saved. The fact that, that you love someone and that you desperately want what is best for them does not get them into heaven. Brent, why are you saying this? Because I'm around families who have loved ones. They love their kids. They love their extended families. But their loved ones are showing no evidence of following the will of God. But out of the benevolence of our hearts, we say, they're nice. They're okay. I think they're going to make it to heaven. merciful, but you don't get to be the judge, number one. Number two, God has given us very obvious standards, and nice is not one of them. But he was a good guy to me and my friends, so he's got to be saved. Being good does not make you saved. Being nice does not make you saved. There is only one way to salvation, and that is by putting your trust wholly and completely in Jesus. That's why I started out this morning, is that we're going to destroy any self-confidence that you have. And we come before God and we say, God, it is only by your grace. I'm here not even sure of myself, so I'm throwing myself at the cross of Christ, hoping and believing that you will save my soul because I have absolutely nothing.
The only way to salvation is by us putting our trust in Jesus, that he died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins so that you may stand before God, not only forgiven, not only forgiven, but because Jesus was raised from the dead on the third day, you also have been raised and transformed to a God-honoring and everlasting life. We're not just forgiven, we're transformed so that we can live a life that well, we follow the will of God and we honor him and we have eternal life because of it. So back to my title. Those whose lives have been transformed by the work of Jesus are who gets to enter heaven. Don't be deceived. Don't let those you care about be deceived. They need to know the truth. Don't allow... Bible-free religious people fabricate artificial standards. The only way to enter the kingdom of heaven is through faith in Jesus that enables you to actually do the will of our Father in heaven.